whatever method you choose is that urgency is definitely your friend as a vendor. Welcome to the Property Chat Podcast, where your hosts, Matt Brugia and Lachlan McDonald, talk all things real estate. Hi guys, welcome back to Property Chat with Lockie and Matt, powered by Real Hub. Today we're going to answer some questions that we've had sent in by our viewers. Sadly, there is only six, um, and as Lockie said earlier, they are not from our mother. Uh, we want to touch on a couple of questions. Lockie, why don't you start us away? Yeah, so one of the first ones we had was, my agent said dusk photos and a video would be a good idea for my home. They're more expensive though, so do you think it's overkill or is it worth it? I think it comes back down to a couple of things. I think with the dusk photos, they just add such warmth and character to the home. I think for a lot of buyers, when you're scrolling through hundreds of listings on realestate.com, you've been looking for hours, you've only got, it'd be microseconds to catch someone's eye so that they actually click on the listing and want to know more about it. So I think your photo is really your first impression. So I think the dusk shots just add that nicer bit of ambience to the photo. And for a lot of buyers, there's just a little bit of character there. And what mm. do you think about the video? I think the video is, you know, certainly a, a crucial element. It just adds something that photos can't, you know, whether it be that movement or just the sense of capturing the, the atmosphere of the home. You can give a much better sense of what it is like to live in that space, mm. you know, and, and experience the, the whole atmosphere. I, I think the video really captures that. But one of the other things video can do that's really nice is it can show elements of the lifestyle of the home too. You know, you can show the local area, you can show uh, what it might be like to actually, you know, live in that suburb. Mm. And that's something which you can't capture in photos. So mm. for that reason alone, I think the video is really good. But one of the forgotten reasons that a video works really well is the shareability factor, like being mm. able to send that to people. A buyer with a really red hot video on a property, like if they've got a video that looks so nice, they will send that to everyone they know. Yep. And that not only increases the reach of the property, but it just makes that buyer so much more engaged to that property. Yep. So as a seller, that is a huge win. Yeah, and, and I think for anyone who has seen any of the most recent property videos, they're not just a video tour. You know, if, you've, if you're getting a property video done, like the guys at Real Hub who we work with, um, they do all of the property videos myself on the coast. And, you know, they're, they're short movies. They're not property videos, the walkthroughs. They're just that next level. So I think it makes a huge difference to your marketing. And as you said, makes it easier for a buyer to follow. So mm. one of the next questions we've got is one of our viewers has sent in and said the other agent that they've had out has suggested the for sale method as they're feeling that buyers are struggling to get finances. So I'd say this is in terms of whether it's auction or for sale. Um, okay. What would you say to that? Well, look, I think in any environment, buyers will have struggles, different struggles with finances. But the one thing that we've found, you know, in whatever method you choose is that urgency is definitely your friend as a vendor. Mm. And the auction method will give you that. If you have a buyer that goes to their bank and says, I'm interested in this property and I would like finance and it's for sale, end of story, the, there's no doubt about it. The bank or the broker, whoever they're dealing with, has a lower sense of urgency around that. It's absolutely amazing how the same bank that couldn't get the finance done in five days for someone yeah. looking at a property for sale, as soon as it's auction and it's happening that weekend, they suddenly managed to do it. Mm. You know, so I think you're, you're injecting urgency into that buyer's preparations that will trickle on through the finance. Now, don't get me wrong, there will be people in this environment that won't be able to get their finances. But all you're doing is separating the good buyers from the poor quality buyers mm. in a quicker space of time. Yeah. Because the reality is if they can't get their finance in a 
quick fashion, they probably were going to have struggles with it anyway. Yeah, and they probably weren't a buyer and at least at that point you hadn't committed yourself. So I think that's a big deal. Exactly right. Yep. So another one of the questions we've had was we've met with three agents now, which is a pretty common thing, and we really like one of them. But one of the others has told us we could get a much higher price. What should we do? Yeah. So I think this is one of the ones, you know, as an agent, I see myself all the time. We often see a vendor make a decision on an agent based on the price that they're telling them, which is the one thing the agent doesn't control. That comes back over to the market, where the marketplace see value, how much urgency you can create as an agent will ultimately affect where the price ends up. But there's only so much that you can do in terms of price. So I think selecting an agent because he's told you a price that you know upfront is a premium without having got a single buyer through the home, I think... If you're already asking yourself that question, there's already some uncertainty there from you as a seller. So I think what I would do, if there's no urgency for to sell, have a look at all three of those agents, especially the one who's telling you a price that you think might be a little bit absorbent. And I would say, pick four or five sales, start tracking those sales. What did they start at price-wise and where did they sell? Because I think that'll be the easiest way to determine whether what he's saying, there's actually proof to back that up. Naturally, if you ask the agent for the sale, you know, they're, they're going to do their best to run you all the reasons why they've, mm. they're going to show you all their good case studies, aren't they? But they're not going to show you the ones that yeah. maybe didn't go quite as planned. But I think that'd be what I would be suggesting first. And I think find an agent that you feel most comfortable with who you think has the best method of sale, who's got the best strategy, because I think ultimately that's what comes down to getting you the best price is strategy. Now, next question from me is, what are the best times to hold your open homes? So I suppose that's that, I mean, that really comes back down to where you are. Mm. I know for us on the coast, it's really important for us, depending on the property, but if we think it's something that's going to attract Sydney buyers, we really have to be mindful that it's at an open home time that's going to be suitable for people to actually make it You've to the coast. You've got to factor in drive time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they've got to be yeah. there for the inspection. So some properties that are opened at three o'clock, Sydney buyers want to be home by then. You know, they don't want to be hanging around. So I think mm. that's one consideration. And then maybe even for like local homes and local buyers, school sports, all those sorts of things, weekend sports, all the different things that you might have on. So I think they're considerations yeah. if I mean, it's a family they're home. They're definitely things to consider, but I think it's home specific and it's aspect mm. and things along those lines that are really important. Yep. You know, if you've got a home that showcases really well and it gets beautiful, you know, um, morning sun, that's when you want to be having your open home, definitely. Um, but if you've got a property that is, you know, has a, I guess, too much afternoon sun, it's got a strong westerly aspect in them and you're selling in summer, that's probably not something you're going to, going to want to mm. highlight. Buyers are going to know that it gets westerly sun. It's not like as if you're hiding anything, but you want to showcase the home in the best light yeah. you possibly can. So, yeah, those sorts of things definitely factor into yeah. time of day. The other thing as well is if you've got a home that is a waterfront, that is absolutely crucial. The tide comes into play um, with a waterfront. Mm. You, you know, you don't want to be showing a waterfront property when the tide's out and you've just got this sort of expanse yeah. of mud out to the water. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows that's the reality with a waterfront property. But again, you want to make sure that when they walk through that first impression, just nails it. Yeah, 100%. And I think the other side of things, as you said, is it has to be right for your property. And if that means that that's a dusk, inspection because five o'clock you get a beautiful sunset where you are and it's probably the best time i think that's important too just about not being so specific to time because that's what you feel most comfortable with but maybe what's best for the property well also what's happening in the area too i mean you, you know we see a lot in sydney that um, people will set their open homes right throughout the the course of the campaign i think that's good for structure um but if there's three other properties that come on in the same location and they all start doing the same open times, for example, you're making it very hard for buyers to get to all three of them. Mm. Um, so a good idea is to look, 
and see what other competing properties are on in the area and maybe pick an open time that will allow buyers to come to your property as well. Don't yep. make them choose. Well, the reality is they're going to go and look at all of them anyway if they want to. That's right. But if you're not making that a possibility because your open homes are all at the same time, which, which e happens. easier for them. I mean, yeah. why would you not do that? I can honestly tell you as an agent, I've seen that many times, my competitors, they'll list a property that's very similar, similar price bracket, and they'll put it at the same open home time that we might have already had selected. So yeah. it definitely happens. Yeah. Yep. Next question. Yeah, so next question we have is, I'm thinking of selling, but I'm not ready for a while yet. I keep getting agents calling me saying they've got buyers who might be keen on my home without putting it on the market. I haven't told them I'm thinking of selling as I'm not quite sure if this is a good way to go or not. Something that we get asked all the time, honestly, it is, it's a question, you know, every single buyer that we speak to, sorry, every single seller that we speak to who had considerations or maybe it's at you know, back of their mind, they're not quite ready to make that commitment. They're often saying that they're getting agents ring them with that exact statement. I think if it was something that you really would sell at the right price and if you thought the price was realistic, and you thought that, you know, you'd be comfortable that if they genuinely bought through an offer and you were ready to go, you would take it and run, then I think it's worth doing. But I think you have to be serious about it because the last thing you want is an agent to spend the time bringing a buyer through. You actually get an offer and then realise that you maybe weren't as committed or you weren't quite ready to make that decision. So I think make sure you're ready. That would be first. And I think the second thing is, as I said, every agent is making those calls saying that. Mm. Can they back it up? Do they actually have buyers? Who are they? What are they looking for? Start asking some questions around that buyer because you'll know pretty quickly when you're asking some questions that the agent doesn't have answers to whether they're an actual buyer or not. So I think, you know, start finding out whether they've got the budget for your home, if they've been looking for a long time, if that's the style of property that they've predominantly looked at. Have they made offers on properties? I think there's some questions I'd want to know straight away. Mm. And I think one other thing I'll add to that is that you need to make sure you don't give your campaign a false start. If you're always going to go to market and that agent has a buyer, it might actually be your best buyer. Mm. And that's, that's, that's the, the fact of the matter. But they come through on an off-market situation with zero competition. Uh, it's nowhere near as powerful for you as a vendor than pushing that buyer to making an offer after three or four weeks on, on the market. They've seen 60, 70, 80 groups through your home. You know, so you've just got to weigh up what's going to be best for you. And mm. I think that if you're already looking at going on the market in the, the near future, then you're probably better to try and engage that buyer in a marketing situ in a marketing campaign situation. Yeah. You know, you're going to have a little bit more power in that negotiation. But if you weren't really thinking of selling, mm. and it seems like a really enticing offer, and it, it would help you with your plans, might be a good thing to go for. Yeah, yeah. And I think you know, probably in today's market where there's such a shortage of listings, you know, across most markets in Australia you probably would be crazy not to at least test it on the market. 100%, Just see who's yeah. out there because, you know, it's not so much for us what we find is it's not the buyers we do know, it's sometimes the buyers we don't know who have just entered into the market who might be our best buyer. You know, often is the case we rely on some of our more um, qualified buyers and buyers we've had through a number of properties but we keep seeing them week in, week out and sometimes it's the buyers who just enter into the market who pay the most and, you know, who negotiate the terms that end up making everybody happy and get us to that point. Mm. So the last question that we have was from a landlord. So they've said, my tenant has said that they'd like to stay on, but they've noticed similar homes renting for less in the area. They're asking for a reduced rent in order to stay on. What would you recommend? You'd get this a lot. Most definitely, yeah. yeah. So I think, again, it depends on the, the situation. You know, you really need to look at the individual tenant. 
So what's been their history? I mean, obviously this question is, is coming as a result of, of COVID and, and we've seen, you know, downward pressure on rents as a result. But what's been their history throughout that period? Have they been in a position where they've got secure employment, they've been able to pay the rent? Maybe they've, you know, asked for a bit of a reduction but nothing major and every, everything's, you know, been, been quite um, smooth sailing. Um, are they going to be able to pay that rent moving forward? If that's the case then when you look at the rental market and you look at the competition that's out there, if they've been a good tenant, they've kept the property well, they've always paid their rent really well, it could be in your best interest to to take that reduction. Mm. But if you've got a tenant who you're looking at their employment situation and um, that doesn't look like it's going to improve even if you know the restrictions as they start to lessen, uh, that doesn't look like it's getting better, then you might just be delaying the inevitable Mm. And they may struggle to keep up with their rent, you know, as things move move on. And you've also got to look at your local market too. If you've got a property that's in high demand and you could be getting the same rent again, then it's probably not the smartest decision. Yeah. But pe- I think a lot of landlords, you know, and just comes through, I suppose, not having the knowledge behind you of it, but in letting go of a tenant, what the actual costs are. That's right. Because you're then yeah. paying another week's letting fee to find a new tenant. Then you've got vacancy, which a lot of landlords forget to count that as a loss. Yeah. You know, if your property, let, let's say the tenant was, you know, looking for a $10 a week rent reduction or $20 a week, you know, you're talking about $500 or $1,000 a year in terms of your total loss. Mm. If that property is $500 a week, you've lost that in two weeks of vacancy searching for yeah, a new exactly. tenant. Exactly. So it, as, it comes down to what the reduction is really. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. What, what they're asking for and what your case competition is out there on the market as well at the time. Yeah, 100%. Well, guys, as always, thanks for tuning in and we hope that uh, you'll shoot through any more questions that you might have so that we can continue to do this segment. But like always, like and subscribe to stay up to date to all of our latest podcasts.